We welcome you to the media ministries of the Gathering Church in the Countryside YMCA of Mainville. As we love the Lord and each other, we're trusting that God would use us to plant a church in every YMCA around the world. To this end, would you join us? We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and in community groups throughout the week. As you listen to this resource, our prayer is that your love for Jesus would grow deep and your love for others would be seen and heard. Let's pray together. So Lord, we thank you for that ministry that you have in our li- our lives uh, through your Son and by your Spirit, that his very presence is our protection, his Spirit is our guide, and we are grateful. And so Lord, we as a church just pause and we, we open our lives, our hearts up to you. Lord, we just sang that that for every moment your life was given for us, your blood was shed for us. And so, Spirit, would you examine our hearts and see if there is any moment that needs to be claimed by the cross, any moment in our lives that uh, is not pleasing to you, where we haven't asked for forgiveness, where we're not pure at heart. Would you examine us and allow us to see you? Let's just pray silently. Allow the Spirit to examine our hearts. for that mom or dad in the congregation that uh, lost it this week. For the student, Lord, that uh, was out of control. For the worker that uh, gave into temptation. Lord, for me, that failed to trust you in every area of my life. We're grateful that your blood was shed for every moment. So we ask now that you would continue to move in our lives and use your word for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, Kids, at this time, you may be dismissed. Two bits of housekeeping. Uh, one is that uh, you have your uh, April reading plan. Um, if it wasn't passed out to you, it is uh, in the back. And we just encourage you this month, um, as it comes around, to have your best month ever reading and connecting with the Lord. And uh, I know I never tire of hearing that, but uh, just to encourage you to um, set yourself um, up for walking with the Lord by uh, committing to reading his word and allowing him to speak uh, through it to your life. And so that is there for you. Uh, one more bit of housekeeping would be that um, Barb and Gary Matthias, uh, we announced this at the uh, annual meeting, but they are moving 
Can you believe that? They're moving to Alabama. I know. I don't think they're going to become Bama fans, but um, but they're moving, and next Sunday is their last Sunday, and we want to send them really well, okay? So uh, two things. One, if you would just be praying um, every day this week for them. Anyone ever moved? A little stressful? Yeah, yeah, yep. Um, so would you be praying for them every day? And then uh, they're not here. They're at uh, their son's shower right now. Um, daughter-in-law shower? One of those. One of those things. Probably one of the. Probably the daughter-in-law. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a man shower. Um, but uh, next week will be their last Sunday, and we'll bring them on up here, and we'll send them really well uh, in prayer. Um, but along with that, uh, Barb has been such a faithful woman uh, to be the primary. A person with the pulse on our finances. She, she's been our treasurer. And um, it's so cool that how God works his church and that um, it's, it's fluid and it's fragile. Um, and so sometimes he moves people away and there's holes in service. And, it, and he calls a church to um, shore up other areas and to move in different directions. And sometimes the Lord fills those holes and uh, we're so grateful that uh, uh, Dave Nelson, go ahead and give it, give it a little wave. There we go. Elbow, elbow, wrist, wrist right there. Dave Nelson's going to handle the finances, which is a, a, a wonderful blessing. And so um, you'll see Dave and our deacon Zane after uh, the services uh, handling, counting the money and things like that. We don't want money to be like this taboo thing where we never talk about it and things like that. But um um, he'll he'll work with the elders um, as uh, as it relates to setting budgets and staying within our budget, and he'll be working with the different ministry uh, heads as they um, get reimbursed and things like that. Um, those are some of the uh, the transactional things that sometimes when you come to a church you don't necessarily see, but God really likes money and really likes it when His people steward money well, and so. Thanks, brother, for uh, helping us do that well. Good stuff. Okay, well, let's open God's Word together. Would you turn to Daniel 8? If we haven't done so already, I just want to welcome you to church. My name is Mike Newman. If you're visiting with us, uh, I'm the lead pastor, one of the elders here, and I'm excited to give to you God's Word this morning. God's Word. Uh, last week, uh, we started the second half of the book, Daniel 1 through 6, are all the stories that we know and learn from childhood. And then 7 through 12 are the kind of weird ones, all the dreams, and we've got all the beasts and things like that. And uh, it's a lot of prophecy. And I am so convinced, um, after now almost four years of uh, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, um, going through the, the Word of God together, I'm convinced that our church needs and will delight in Daniel chapter 8. And he, the Holy Spirit knows you way better than I ever could. And he knows that you need to hear this word today. Isn't that exciting? And so let's, um, let's dive into it, okay? Um, so let me start like this. Um, when... When Hannah and I uh, lived in Texas and we started having our children and things like that, we, um, we it's always been a part of our life to like lead some sort of group, lead a community group, whatever. And we would always um, start off every semester 
uh, with our group um, with four questions. So we would hand around uh, three by five cards and we would say, one, what is your name? Two, what is your favorite snack? Because that's important in a community group, isn't it? You know, what should we eat during our time? Um, three, um, what's, what's like, um, what's one thing that you want us to know about, right? So like, um, uh, we, we led the youth. And so is, is there some game that you'd like us to come to? Or are you in a musical? Or are you in like some math meet or robotic? Like, like what's one thing that's going on in your life? Number four, project the semester out. What's one thing that you're anxious about? Like you could write it in the form of a prayer request. But like if you were to um, look uh, at your calendar um, for the semester or for the year, what's one thing where you're like, how will that go, right? Um, that it might be causing you some anxiousness and you don't quite know how to, how to deal with it, work with it. Maybe you might want to talk to myself or, or my wife. So what's, what's that number four? All right, fill it out. And then hand it on over and, and we'll read and we'll pray through things and we'll meet with you and we'll grow in Christ together, right? And number four especially is the one um, that I'd like to talk about this morning. So what would make it on your three by five card if you were asked the same question? Um, hey, if you were to look at your semester, like just from now till let's just say May or, or in the beginning of the summer, uh, what's one thing that is causing you uh, anxiety, right? What's one thing that you are worried about and you're like, I am not quite sure how this is going to go. Maybe, maybe if you're, um, you know, maybe you're thinking health related. Maybe you're thinking job related or school related, family related, Whatever. Got yours? What's going to be on your three by five card? So today, Daniel is given news of the future. And it, uh, it causes him some anxiety. Okay, It definitely would have made it on his three by five card. Uh, it's the stuff that, that makes him and us anxious about life uh, and about the future. And so, essentially, the question would be, how does, how does the Christian respond to something that's coming in the future? How does the Christian respond to when they're a little nervous, anxious, fearful? How's that going to work out? So let's find out, okay? From God's Word, today's uh, title of the sermon is Forever Faithful. Forever Faithful and the timeless truth, uh, the sermon in a sentence, is that our God is faithful to sustain. Our God is faithful to sustain. And there's two points uh, today to today's message that'll govern our time. Point number one, the suffering to come for God's people. And number two, what to do in the meantime. Now, uh, this is not the most academic outline that you have ever seen of Daniel 8. Um, I'm not sure if my seminary professors would, would agree with the breakdown 
But uh, this, I said it last week, this, um, this is a sermon to God's people, not a history lesson. And so uh, I, I want to be real heavy on application today and how this looks in a believer's life. So let me, uh, let me invite you to open your Bibles with me. We're in Daniel 8, and I'd love to just show you what's going on here, okay? So Daniel, once again, is given a dream. He's given a vision, and um, it starts out in verse 2. And let your eyes just bounce on the page with me, okay? So uh, verse 2, it says, And I saw in a vision, and then when I saw, I was in Susa, the citadel, which is in the province of Elam. And I saw in the vision, and I was in the Ulai Canal. Here we go. I raised my eyes and saw, and behold, a ram. Okay? So verse 3, we got a ram going on here. All right, let your eyes go on down to verse five. The, the dream continues. And I was considering, behold, a male goat. Okay, so we got a goat. All right, and then let your eyes bounce on down to verse nine. Okay, and one of them came a little horn. So we got a ram, we got a goat, we got a little horn. Should we wrap it up here or should we continue going? Is that good for the God's people this morning? Not yet. <laughs> okay, well, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Okay, so all these, um, all these, these animals, this horn uh, is interpreted for us in the latter half of the dream. Okay, they're all kings and they're all going to cause great hardship for the nation of Israel. Okay, so let's just quickly interpret them. Okay, here's the ram. Let your eyes go on way down to verse 20. So it says, as for the ram that you saw with the two horns, these are the kings of Media and Persia. Okay, so God's telling his people, hey, you're going to be conquered once again by this empire. It's going to be bad. Okay, it's going to be like a ram, like a battle ram. Okay, and then the goat. Go to verse 21. And the goat is the king of Greece. And the great horn between his eyes is the first king. And so that's where we would get Alexander the Great, uh, the Grecian Empire conquered. Again, great difficulty and suffering for God's people. And then the little horn, okay? Let your eyes go to verse 22 and kind of kind of section it off, 22 to 25, is talking about the little horn, which is a guy named Antiochus. Antiochus IV, he uh, called himself Antiochus Epiphanies, which um, meant the manifest, which really is a statement about his character. He basically said, I'm the man, I'm the Lord. Okay. Uh, we know this from record of, 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 of history. This guy set himself up to be God um, in the place of the prince of uh, the prince of princes. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was just bad, okay? He's a, all the Jewish accounts point to this guy um, where he burned many scrolls of uh, the Hebrew Bible, um, burned them up. And the, perhaps the worst thing that this guy did uh, in history was that he forced uh, the nation of Israel to worship false gods. 
he set up um, this statue of Jupiter in front of the altar in the temple, and then he forced them to sacrifice um, a swine in the temple, a pig, which is like the most unclean animal ever for the nation of Israel. And so he, he, we say desecrated the temple at that point. It was a low point in the nation of, of uh, Israel. And this happened in 168 BC, probably about 400 years after this chapter was written, after God gave Daniel this prophecy. So in summary, okay, there's, there's about the history of this passage, okay? Uh, in summary, Daniel gets a vision from God about these three major times of suffering that are to come for the nation of Israel. And Daniel get anx gets anxious. So I want to just camp there, okay? Um, what is God doing? What is God doing? So in his kindness, church, he lets his people know that suffering is, is going to come. So God doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to um, give his people a vision of the future, but he did. He doesn't always do that. Um, but the real question is, why, right? Why all the suffering, Lord? And then obviously, like, hey, what about us too? Like, why the suffering? What's, what's going on? Um, I remember at the seminary that I went to, Dallas Seminary, the chancellor, he said that any time that you speak on suffering, you will always have a listening ear. You'll always have a listening ear. If I were to ask, um, how many people in this room are suffering? I think every single person would raise their hand. True? There's something going on in every person's life. Even last week, when we invited Jed here, uh, Paul interviewed him. You remember what he said? That the common language of humanity is pain. That's right. Good memory. Is pain. Isn't that interesting? It's something that everyone, that every human experiences. Some point or another, some point of, you're going to have some challenging time some pain or some suffering. And it's a part of just being human. And it, it points to our, our humanity, our weakness, who we are. Uh, Elizabeth Elliot, so Jim Elliot's uh, wife, uh, one time spoke of a, sh a shepherding illustration as it relates to suffering and pain. Um, so she writes about this, this story of a shepherd where um, her, the, the, the ram uh, and, the, and the sheep involved had an infestation of bugs. And so the shepherd um, took his, his stick and for this particular ram, ran it right through his horns and set up this antiseptic like bucket of medicine and, uh, and took the ram and, and put the ram down into this large bucket um, so to purify and to cleanse, to clean out all, all the bugs and the skin disease that these particular sheep and this ram was having. 
And the ram would like, like kick and fight and scream. And, and the shepherd with all its heart, you, you're just watching it. You just, you could tell that the shepherd would want to say like, this is what I'm doing. Like, I'm actually helping you. But I can't, you don't know English, you know. <laughs> and so the shepherd would put the sheep and the ram down in the bucket and then bring it back out and the ram would spew water and you know, I'm, I'm drowning, this is tough. Put it back in the cleansing water so that the, the ram would be cleaned and purified. It would be for their health, it'd be for their good. It'd come out and like, I'm dying, I'm dying one more time, down and And you must like look at the ram and, and be like, I wonder what they're thinking. They're probably confused. Like all those sheep that are sick and suffering, they're, they're wondering, what is the shepherd doing? That's where we get those great passages where the shepherd says, such knowledge is, is too wonderful for you. And the psalmist says, it's, it's too lofty for me to even attain. I, I don't can't understand all these things. Makes me think of another image of the refining fire. How metal is purified. Where you boil metal and all the impurities surface to the top. And, and uh, metal makers know this, but they take a, a big streamer and they, they soak up and they stream off all the dross from the top. All the impurities. And that boiling, that heat is this, this purifying process for the believer. God uses the heat to, to rinse us and to cleanse us and to purify us. But it's no fun, is it? Suffering is not fun. Christians aren't sadistic about suffering they don't like seek it out they don't want it or they don't delight in it and we don't wish it upon anyone else but if we don't experience it it is too often the case that we forget god and start thinking that we as humans in our humanity that we're above things we're above suffering and we in and of ourselves are sufficient for all of life and godliness without God. I was just talking to a guy yesterday. Uh, I was lifting at the Y. I said, hey, how you doing, man? And he said, to tell you the truth, do you really want to know? And I said, yes, I want to know. I want to know how you're doing. And uh, he said, we're suffering. And I was thinking that my suffering would end a lot quicker. That I would suffer, that I would pray, and that God would end it. But it is a whole lot longer than I've been anticipating. And I'm still asking, how long, Lord? How long? He's tired of the stock answers that Christians give. He's waiting on the Lord. He kind of feels like the Lord's not answering his, his prayers because the suffering is continuing. And so we come to Daniel 8, and we see that Daniel gets, gets this prophecy in about the 6th century. 
of suffering for 400 years for, for the nation of Israel. How old is our country? That's right. This is not like some short little like, I broke my leg. I'm going to be in a cast for six months. This is years of suffering. So what if, what if the sermon just ended there? What if, I know, what if like, the, what if we didn't have anything else except just that dream and the Christian was left to a place where it was like, well, um, I guess you just deal with it, Christian. I guess you just, that's it for you. You just, you just got to realize that suffering is going to be a part of life and uh, let's pray and let's, um, let's go to lunch and have a, a great week, right? Watch what happens. Watch how God meets Daniel. Point number two, what to do in the meantime. So if you were with us about uh, two summers ago, we went through Psalm 23 for some time. Remember that great line, though I walk through the valley, finish it with me. Right, yeah. So that's where Daniel's at. That's where the nations of Israel. That's that might be where you're at right now. Okay, and um, we just love that word "walk," don't we? Um, us Christians, we tend to be like, though I want to run because I want this to be over through the valley of the shadow of death, right? But the psalmist says, "Though I walk," and sometimes we we don't even feel like we can walk through suffering. Much of us are we're limping. We're crawling. What's going to happen? What do you do? So here's four things from this chapter when this comes our way, okay? Number one, look for comfort from the Lord, okay? Watch in Daniel chapter 8, verses 15 through 19, okay? We're going to live in that for a little bit. When I, Daniel, had seen the vision, I sought to understand it. And behold, there stood before me one having the appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of the Uli, and it called, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. So he came near where I stood, and when he came, I was frightened and fell on my face. But he said to me, understand, O son of man, that the vision is for the future time of the end. Let's just stop there for a second. Isn't that awesome? Like the Lord, he is so much more than just like an anchor man delivering news. Like, all right, here's the next couple of years, uh, next 100, 200, 300, 400. Hey, just deal with it. That's the news. Actually, he sees Daniel. He sees his distress. And he calls out, hey, angel, hey, Gabriel, go minister to him. Help him understand. Like, meet him in his anxiety, in his depression, in his state, in his condition. Go to him. And so now, for us, like when we are anxious about the future, we can cry out to the Lord. We can be comforted. We can be ministered to, actually, by the Comforter. By the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. And uh, if you've been in the faith for a while, you might have even anticipated me saying that. But that is not 
cliche, folks. That's not. Uh, this week, I have been asking the Lord, and I've been seeking Him on a lot of areas in my own personal life that I'm struggling with, that Hannah and I are suffering through. And when we have cried out to the Lord this week, He has met us there. Like in time, in space, the Spirit has ministered to our hearts and has comforted us. We don't have all the answers. We don't still like understand everything and why things work the way they do. But we felt comforted because he's with us. In my weakness, in the past seven days, he's been my strength. Now, Philippians 4 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in what? But in everything. By what? Prayer and? That's right. And some says prayer and petitions. Present your request to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will what? That's right. It'll guard your minds and your hearts in Christ Jesus. Man, you got to memorize that one. That one is solid rock for you to walk with Jesus with, right? Okay, so if you've got prayers, if you've got petitions, if you've got anxieties, what are you supposed to do? The Bible says to present them to God, to give them to God. To say, Lord, I need to do something with this. It's not just this simple like transaction of here's 10 bucks and I owe you this and here's the presentation to God. You made me here and then we're... No. It's so much more than that. It, it, it is a relationship. It's not just like you take it and I'm here. I don't want this burden. Bye now. It's more than that. When you give him your anxiousness, he meets you in the process. So number one is that you have got to look to the Lord for comfort in your suffering. Number two, let's see it in verse 18 to 19. Okay? This is where Daniel goes to sleep. All right. And when he had spoken to me, I fell asleep. I'm sorry. I fell into a deep sleep with my face to the ground. But he, that's Gabriel, touched me and made me stand up. He said to me, behold, I will make known to you what shall be at the latter end of the indignation. For it referred, refers to the appointed time of the end. Which, by the way, um, I think it's a good way to read that last part, appointed time of the end, is not the end times, um, but just, hey, these, this is the end of the time that I'm talking about um, for your information. That was free. So Daniel gets this dream, gets the interpretation. What does he do, church? He goes to sleep. He goes to sleep. So number two, sleep, okay? Rarely acknowledged. Sleep is an important part of the Christian life, all right? When you're suffering, sleep can be a great gift from God. Did you hear that? Sleep is a gift from the Lord. Daniel's overwhelmed. He's confused. He goes to bed. <laughs> I love that. I can't remember who said this, but I love this quote, okay? It says, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. Don't you like that? I don't know. 
Maybe you will in a few years. I don't know, right? How many times have you sinned while sleeping? Exactly. I know. So a nap is, is actually sometimes a really good thing to do. Sometimes when Hannah and I are in an argument and it's 10 o'clock, then it's 10.05. You guys know the 10 o'clock rule in my house. Hannah turns into a pumpkin, you know? It's not healthy for, for us to argue past 10 o'clock. And what do we need to do? We need to go to bed, right? Like staying up much later won't help the process. We need to sleep. Like tomorrow's a new day. Mercies are new. Uh, grace is sufficient for that day. And we, sweetheart, I think we just need to go to bed. We need to sleep on this one, right? So sleep is a gift. Thankfully, thankfully the sermon in this text doesn't end there, right? Because it would be like, and so thus, go, there, go therefore, henceforth, and go to bed now. You know? That's one of the things to keep in mind when suffering comes, is to have a gauge, have a pulse on your sleep. One more note on sleep, okay? Since, since we're there, since the text has brought us there, uh, sometimes when you can't sleep at night, God wants you awake. Have you ever experienced that? Uh, last week, when we were on spring break, um, uh, I had a, a rough week of sleeping. And it wasn't just because I didn't have my pillow. <laughs> uh, I think the Lord wanted me to wake up a lot. I didn't sleep great. Um, sometimes when you are up in the middle of the night, it's because... God is saying, hey, Johnny, I haven't heard from you all day. And he wants you to wake up and pray. Sometimes when you're tossing and turning, you've got such a heavy weight on your chest. Your mind is going. You can't sleep at all. And it is time to give your burdens to the Lord. And your lack of sleep is a gift from God. Because you're fighting with them. And you're like, I just want to sleep. And God's saying, I just want you to give it to me. And so that wrestling also is, is a beautiful gift from the Lord. So I journaled a lot last week. I, I prayed a lot. And I gave the Lord my burdens. Why? Well, because I'm promised that if I do, and if you do, that that his yoke is easy and his burden is light and he'll carry it. So church, if you've got any burdens, give it to the Lord. And I would also venture to say, if I were to ask that and have a show of hands, every single person would be able to say, oh, I've got some burdens. So Israel got some news of suffering. The church gets the news also, that Christ is coming back, okay? What's Israel to do? They are to look to the Lord for comfort. They're to be mindful of sleep. Take a nap every once in a while, like, right? What about us as we wait for the second return? Like, what, what are we supposed to do of our suffering in, as we are stuck in the middle, so to say? We are after Jesus' death, resurrection, he sent his spirit. We're in the middle of him coming back. How are we supposed to handle 
our suffering. Should we just sleep and just sit tight and don't let the bugs, bed bugs bite? And if they do, hit them with a shoe? No? No. That's not the only answer. Let's see what Daniel did and how he responded to suffering and hardship. Let your eyes go to verse 27. Point number three is rise. So point two is sleep. Point three is rise. Here we go. And I, Daniel, was overwhelmed and lay sick for some days. Then I rose. Let's stop there, okay? Then I rose. Not I rose. Then I rose. Uh, This is the definition of uh, the word to rise. It's a verb. Rise. It means to physically move in an upward direction. How's that for like definitions of the day? (laughs) To rise. Like to wake. Christians are called to rise. What does that mean? I think a direct application for Daniel would be this. Hey, Daniel. Even though I've given a picture into the future for you, and even though the future involves much suffering, I'm going to help you rise up and to live a fruitful, flourishing life in the meantime. I'm going to help you do that, Daniel. I'm not just enabling you to sleep your life away and wait for the suffering to come. I want you to rise And for us, despite our anxiety, despite our depression, what we're learning from this text today, if you're in it, that the Christian is to rise up and put one leg in front of the other. Obviously, this does not mean stuff your anxiety. Like, hey, you got anxious thoughts? Don't share them with anyone and just like, just tough it out and and just put one leg in front of the other. No, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that. Daniel and his people, they were threatened with their lives and God would not have them shrink back with their life. So here Daniel's called to rise and we could see that perhaps sleep for Daniel could have been an escape mechanism. You know what I mean by that? She's trying to run from a reality that's coming. As we meet um, in community groups this week, I think a really good question um, would be, hey, do you have any tendencies to escape? In your anxiety, depression, hardships, despondency, what are you prone to do with regards to escaping? Sports games, isolating yourself, or maybe just grinding it out, fifth gear, I'm going to keep going hard because I'm going to solve it. Is that, which, which tendency do you have? I think we all have one. I think that's a good question for us. Here's another question. If so, what is holding you back from taking steps of obedience, from rising to acknowledging the hardship and then giving it to the Lord, sharing it with others, and rising up. So Daniel's comforted, takes a nap, and now 
it's almost like he has in a boxing illustration, he's got this coach in the corner for him. That's, that's not just like saying it'll be okay, but like, Hey, come on, it'll be all right. It's time to, it's time to wake up, not suck it up, not suck it up. But there are times in life when you and I have got to stop listening to our feelings and move forward. Amen? Amen. So let's ask this question. What is the foundation for the Christian to rise? Like, what are the inner workings of our heart? What, what's going on in our mind? Is it just like, I need to be better. I need to do better. I need to succeed. So I'm going to, what is the foundation for the Christian to rise? To take the next step. To put one foot in front of the other. It's got to be the resurrection, right? I mean, that's like, that's a slam dunk. That's a grand slam. I mean, in terms of rise, the ultimate Victory was when Jesus died and he rose again. He beat death, conquered it. If that's not it, I don't know what is, okay? But I believe that Jesus, okay? Listen to this. That Jesus, not the ram, not the goat, not the little horn. I don't think that they had the last word I think Jesus had the last word. Because when Jesus was on earth, his earthly ministry, although the little horn walked into that temple and desecrated it, Jesus one time walked into a temple. Can I read it for you? This is John chapter 2, 13, starting in verse 13. Follow this story with me. It says, The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Verse 14, In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. He poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? And listen to this. Jesus answered them, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you'll raise it up in three days? Verse 21. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. And when therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Jesus was speaking about the temple of his body, his death and his resurrection put an end to the need for continual sacrifices once and for all in the physical temple. So friends, we can wake from our slumber, from our sadness, from our depression, because the one who had the last say, it wasn't the ram, it wasn't the goat, it wasn't the, it wasn't the little horn, it was the lamb. 
The lamb had the last say. This lamb, yes, he, he granted them suffering, the people of Israel. And for us, he grants us suffering too. But he has saved us to those who believe from the wrath to come. And he has delivered all of us who believe out of the flame of suffering, hell. If you don't know the Lord, hell should be the greatest anxiety in your life. And if you don't know him, this could be a great burden that could be lifted from you. And it can be lifted today. How does it, how is it lifted? It takes the individual turning from their sin and looking to the Lord by faith to be saved. That's it. The Bible says all who call upon the Lord will be saved. If you turn from your wicked ways and place your faith and trust in Jesus by giving him your life and confessing with your mouth, you will be saved from the greatest anxiety causer this world has and will ever see. So if you are not a believer, that should be great news for you that there's hope. Hey, believer, if you already know him, so Christians, this is a great truth that we need to delight in. We need reminding in this all the time, don't we? Because it puts our anxieties in perspective, doesn't it? One more thing. One more thing. Here's number four. Watch what God does. He, he has included in the scriptures uh, direction for, for Daniel's life and for our life with regards to how to respond to suffering and anxiety. Verse 27. This is number four. It, it is go about the king's business. Watch, uh, watch that verbiage being used in verse 27. And I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for some days. Then I rose and went about the king's business. But I was appalled by the vision and did not understand it. All right, there it is. Look at that. Like Daniel didn't understand it, yet he went about the king's business. It's a huge lesson for us. Does understanding, do I have to understand everything in order to obey? No. No. We must obey even though we don't understand. Obedience comes before understanding. This should be a great lesson even for parenting. Your toddlers do not understand the great danger that going into the road will cause. You don't need to coax them into, into like making them believe you or trust you. They need to obey to not go into the road. They don't need to understand how a car works, how a V6 or a V8 or whatever. No. They need to obey right away the first time. Amen? That's teaching our children how to respond to the voice of authority in their life. If they don't respond to our voice, parents' voice, they won't respond to the Lord's voice, the ultimate authority. So again, the direct application for Daniel in this, as he's going about the king's business, would be this. 
Whatever Daniel had in front of him, he's supposed to do it. He's supposed to work hard. Like he had a job to do. Go for it, Daniel. Right? Not to mope around, not to sit around, but to work hard going about the king's business. The New Testament would say, whatever your hand finds to do, work at it with all your might as working for the Lord, not for men. This would be the same thing as Jeremiah the prophet. He spoke to the, to the people to, of God in exile. And he said, hey, while you're in Babylon, go about the business of making the city flourish. Like, do that. Like, make Babylon great. <laughs> go for it. This would be the same idea as the psalmist says, hey, dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. But when I read uh, to go about the king's business, it is hard uh, as a preacher dude not to think about going about the business of King Jesus. So it's interesting that this, this like command and this direction would come right off the heels of like anxiousness and lack of understanding. Isn't that interesting? Daniel, Go about the king's business, even though you're anxious and you don't get it all. Christian, go about the king's business, even though you don't understand, you don't get it all, and you might be a little anxious. Which is countercultural to how we think. The human mind goes like this. Like, once I'm mature, and once I'm doing okay, and once I understand everything, then I'll obey, then I'll do the Lord's work. That's not what we see in Daniel 8, is it? We tend to think, well, if I get things together, then I can actually help others, and then I can look to make disciples. But church, you need to know that that's a lie. My mother-in-law, um, when she is anxious, when she is down, she lost her husband. She bakes people brownies. That's what she does. When she's struggling, um, all of a sudden she shows it up at your doorstep, baking brownies. She doesn't even like brownies. You know, she knows other people do. She keeps boxes of brownies. Why does she keep boxes of brownies? Because she knows that in the Christian life, sometimes you'll experience spouts of depression. And so how does she fight it? by looking to serve other people. I remember one time I was, I was teaching uh, in a classroom setting and I knock on the door and in comes my mother-in-law with two Route 44 Sonic drinks from a, from a happy hour, right? And immediately I knew what was going on. She's sad. She's sad about something and she's serving other people. You catch that though. She's not waiting till she's done with her sadness, her anxiety, her depression. She's fighting it by serving. She's fighting it by getting her eyes off of herself and onto the needs of others. And I need Route 40. <laughs> I do not need those. I do not need Sonic. Don't be bringing me Sonic, okay? <laughs> so um, let's land this plane, okay? The gathering. We summarize um, Jesus' great commission of, of making disciples with arrows, right? 
up arrow to have a life totally surrendered unto the Lord. Upward reach. All I am for all that he is. And then there's those two arrows, these in arrows and these out arrows. The in. So the first one, let's just spend two minutes there. Is there someone, while you are anxious, while you are depressed, while you're sad, while you're suffering, is there someone that you can reach out to and minister to? Perhaps a phone call or a coffee. Um, perhaps... Perhaps the Lord has laid on your life to pursue someone to help them grow in Jesus, to disciple them. And you've just needed that very question to be asked to you today. Yes, that's what the Lord's doing. I think the Lord wants me to disciple him. Would you write that down? In arrow. Who is it? Who's it this week? Number two, out arrow. I would encourage you to write down one person who the Lord is continually putting in your path and you just haven't quite realized it yet, right? Again, uh, I've got lunch this week with a guy. He keeps on putting me in his path. The Lord puts this guy in, in my path and he goes, hey, you know, um, I don't know. If you ever get the chance and if we ever run into each other, we should. Da, da, da. And I said, hey, we're running into each other right now. This is, this is happening. Oh, that's right. It is happening. Let's, let's, do, let, let's get our calendars and let's get some time. Again. If there is someone in your life where now you've just needed to be like, yes, I always see this person. I've been praying that the Lord would use me to reach out to someone. Now you're being asked, who is it? What's his or her name? They're far from the Lord. They don't know the Lord. And... God is calling you this Sunday to go about the king's business. That's it. That's the king's business. Church, should we do it this week? Let's do it. Let's do it. Worship team, would you come on?